Hello everyone, I am Kendall Tyson, licensed therapist and fellow Black expat living in Beijing, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Black and Abroad, and we have a treat tonight, one of my friends, Dr. Shannon Evans, um, hailing from the amazing Bahamas, um, currently living in China. She is a sixth grade teacher of English and professionally, I'm going to read her brief bio. Professionally, she spent all of her adolescent life in the Bahamas for K through 12 and an undergraduate. Um, she knew she wanted to be a teacher at the age of seven, and that's what she spent a lot of time working for. That's a, that's a really good goal. I definitely did not know that. <laughs> um, she has an undergraduate degree from the University of the Bahamas in primary education. She left the Bahamas at the age of 21 to pursue a master's degree in counseling, school counseling. Okay, school counselors. Um, she also interned as a school counselor and worked as a professional therapeutic at a professional therapeutic day treatment counselor. Shannon moved back home in 2016 when she was 27, and she stayed there for two years until she moved to Beijing in 2018. She was meant to stay for about 14 months, like most people say they will do, um, but that 14 months turned into three and a half years and two jobs later, um, and she's not quite ready to leave. Um, so in the midst of this transition, you know, leaving her family, she managed to complete an amazing accomplishment, um, completing her PhD in counselor education and supervision in 2019. So I want everybody to welcome Dr. Shannon Evans to Black and Abroad. Hey girl, hey. I mean, hey. I love your bio. Thanks. <laughs> so before we get into the good stuff, even though we started with the good stuff, what I'd like to know is, who is Shannon Evans? Man, this is a loaded question. Always. Right? The, <laughs> uh, the easy answer is I'm a 33-year-old Black Bahamian woman from Freeport, Grand Bahama, the Bahamas. Uh, I love family. That's, I think, more than anything. Uh, I love my family. I love kids. Uh, I have 11, oh, 12 nieces and nephews. Oh, wow. Ten, 10 nieces and nephews, two grand nieces. So, wow. There. <laughs> I know. Girl. I've been trying not to feel old. It's hard, though. <laughs> you know, state of mind, state of mind. Right, 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 right. Aging, nothing but a number. Yes. Um, so, that's, I feel like at the core of me, that's, that's who I am. And that's sort of informed my life choices. <laughs> Um, one of the things that brought me to Beijing to be a teacher. So, yeah, I feel like that's that's the basic of who I am. Uh, and then you delve into some other things, the kind of friends that I am, uh, someone who's pretty loyal, someone who's a nurturer, but also someone who needs her alone time because she's an introverted homebody and her social battery runs low very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> and stays low for a very long time. Uh, so, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. Um, I was going to ask, you know, I always ask this to people 
about their, you know, journey into the expat life. And I'm wondering, was there any like one major thing that happened, a long held dream that made you decide to come to China? When I moved back home in 2016, it wasn't super by choice. Uh, if I if I had the choice and there were no obstacles, no challenges, I probably would have stayed in the United States. Okay. Uh, so moving back home, you know, moving back uh, into the house with my parents after moving semi-independently was a bit of a challenge. Yeah, uh, and I started to started to try to make a life of my own. You know, I moved out, moved into a new apartment. I was not working as a teacher. I was working as a marketing rep. Mm. But the people that I saw at work were the same people that I saw at church and the same people that I saw during my downtime. And I love those people, but it just felt like every day we're just doing the same thing. Yeah. Um, and I just got tired. Yeah. And so I was looking at uh, moving abroad and what kind of opportunities were out there you know, just browsing the internet one day. And then I thought about two of my friends who were working for the same company in Shanghai. And one friend was somebody that I went to high school with. Another friend was somebody that I went to um, Hampton University with. So like, first I thought it was funny that two people from two different stages of my life were working for the same company in the same city. It feels <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. Let me, let me see what the company is talking about. Let, let's see what's happening. And so went onto the website, sent in an application to work in Shanghai, got an email for an interview. At this point, I have not told anybody anything. So I'm like, I'm just going to go on this interview. If it doesn't go well, no harm, no foul. Right. But if it does go well, then we have some planning to do. Right. So went on the interview. It went well, and the uh, interviewer said, you know what, I think we're gonna send you to Beijing. I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, I know that there are different cities and I've visited them before, but that was a decade ago uh, at this point. So I'm like, girl, I don't know the difference, send me wherever. <laughs> so after that, after I have the job offer letter, interview is finished. And I think this all happened maybe around like October or November of 2017. And I was supposed to leave in February of 2018. So that's when I tell my parents like, hey, um, by the way, moving to China. <laughs> my mother's like, eh? What? <laughs> right, drop the bomb. <laughs> like what? Okay, just everybody calm down. Here's what happened. Uh, so explain to her what was going through my mind, what my process was. And my father was like, oh, oh, only because he wanted somewhere new to visit. That's, oh, that's all. <laughs> really selfish me, right? <laughs> so my mother is the one that really like champions the research into moving to China. You know, what kind of climate would it be for me as a Black woman and you know, for me as somebody who's only lived in the Bahamas, only lived in the United States, like what kind of situation would I be walking into? So she yeah. wanted me to be as informed as possible. Yeah. I'm just over here, like I'm 29, 
28 about to be 29 like I'm just ready to go I don't I don't even care right um so we pushed we pushed my date back to the summer of 2018 to give me a little bit more time to prepare and time to work on my dissertation uh, because I was working on my PhD at the time and that was another concern you know like if I go will I be able to finish will I be motivated to finish uh, which was a very real concern yeah uh, and then summer 2018 I said goodbye to my family in the airport in Freeport and there was no turning back like I walked through the security gates went to the little cafe got a hot dog and a junk new punch soda junk new punch is something that's you know made in the Bahamas uh-huh. this is something that I'm not gonna have for a while so I'm like get my junk new punch get my my hot dog I've told my family you know I'll see you in a year and change like it's gonna be okay whatever as soon as I sat down the reality set then deep listen to me (laughs) for the next two days of traveling because I had to travel from home to Florida then from Florida to Dallas then Dallas to Beijing and just that whole time it's just like surreal like every so often I had to tell myself hey you're moving to China like please get that in and when I got on the plane to um in Dallas going to Beijing it was just like there is really no turning back like we're on this whatever it was 13 14 hour flight like this is it this this is it so big things popping it's like what I appreciate is and I, I swear my mom is the same it's something about black mothers yes the pragmatic no, we need you to be informed about yes. what's happening. And just the simple fact that, you know, we're talking to people, they don't really understand all of the navigating that we have to think about as Black women living in another country, even in our home countries, you know, there's, yep. we just have to be a bit more aware and cognizant, right? So kind of being forward thinking, about what our, our you know experience could potentially be like coming here, you know, even though it's an amazing opportunity, clearly um, mm-hmm. you've reaped lots of benefits from. Um, you got to be aware because it's not for the faint of heart by any means. No, ma'am. So, would you say that you're a risk taker? In some ways, yes. I think that I can be impulsive which I know before I turned, definitely before I turned 30, um, I was sitting at the, the dining room with my mother and it might actually have been talking about this, this moving to China. And she just looked at me and she's just like, you're a little bit too like flighty to be pushing 30. <laughs> like, I need you to, to settle down. And I was just like, I don't quite know how yet. You know, in my brain, there are, it's, it's like you're driving down the highway and there are a, a, a thousand exits and you're driving hundreds of miles per hour and you want to get off at every single exit. 
But of course, realistically, you can. Right. But my brain is just always, we're always doing it. Like, what else can I do? What's a thing that, that I'm going to get joy from? Uh, what's a thing that's going to make me happy in this moment? Like, like all these things are roaming around in my brain. And so right then and there, it was this pull to move. It was just like, let's, let's do it. But now we're in the middle of this pandemic. <laughs> and, you know, you have time right, off from school. Junior year. Junior year of the pandemic, like people. <laughs> yes. And you have time off from school. And, you know, usually in that time off, especially for expats, that's the time to be able to explore the country, to be able to explore the region, to go yeah. and see things that you would not have seen if you still lived on the Western side of the, the world. Right. And for me right now, the risk isn't worth it right? Mm -hmm. To be able to just up and leave, even to go to another city right now. I'm not really feeling it because I'm well aware of the possible repercussions. So there are some times when the risk is worth it and it's just yeah. like less leap. And other times when it's just like, I'd rather play it safe. Yeah. I think that's um, a cognizant way in which to approach it. Um, it's, it's just so much happening in the world. We know that things are popping up all over the place and it would definitely be my luck that wherever I go, you know, okay, cases are rising and you can't get back. Well, yep. no. <laughs> and I think like this whole pandemic is just really, I'm wondering what have you, what's, what's something that you've really learned about yourself as you've, you know, sojourned through um, life as an expat during COVID? Uh, I think one thing it has done is made me appreciate my alone time a lot, which could be a dangerous thing. Mm. Uh, but, you know, there was a point where we were on, I was fortunate enough that when I had re-entered the country in January, 2020, I came at a good enough time to where I didn't have to undergo a full lockdown but it was mm. still sort of a partial lockdown uh, and there was still a lot, a lot of action happening. So, you know, when you ordered Meituan, you ordered groceries, you had to go to the gate to pick them up. They couldn't yeah. come inside. Uh, and so it, for me, I was just by myself a lot, which was a very big difference from when I first came because with my coworkers, I saw them every day. And then even on my off days, we spent time together and we started to like develop relationships, develop bonds. Yeah. And so the, I went from seeing people just about every day to not seeing people for days at a time, not leaving my apartment for days at a time. Yeah. And then I started to enjoy not leaving my apartment for days at a time. Oh, and it was just like at the point where if somebody sent a message like hey we're going out do you want to go and I'm just like oh, mm. no and yeah. so I learned to enjoy my own company um but then I started to have have to navigate what balance would look like mm. and remembering that I still had these friends that I love yeah. and you know it would be unfair for me to just hole up in my house and, and not do anything with them and then expect that they'll still be there after weeks or months of me doing this right and so having to to try to find the balance I think that's that's one big thing uh, that's been my thing for the past two years 
Uh, Because even now, you know, I work five days a week and on my off days, I do want to just spend them alone. But I try to make sure that I can fit in some some quality time with friends as well as quality time by myself. Yeah, I think the key word that you said balance is um, quite important in being able to live the life here because a lot of times people are doing the polar opposite, either too much of the partying that's readily available in Beijing or just with the nature of how some relationships transition um, and how people are transient here, spending a lot more time alone and really suffering in their mental health. Um, so it is it is a job in itself trying to figure out what's the healthy balance and mm-hmm. how do I learn myself in this process so that I'm not getting caught up in either end of the spectrum. So I want to kind of ask you, you know, you shared some, some pretty important moments, but I'm wondering if you were to think back through the Rolodex of memories that you've accumulated here, what would be a defining moment for you as an expat? I'll, okay, so I'll go back to my, my little previous anecdote. Um, and just that that balance between friendship and being alone. Uh, for the first year, year and a half, I was working on my dissertation. Uh, so finishing up my PhD and also working a full-time job, being 12, 13 hours ahead of my professors, uh, and having that affect our level of communication greatly. Um, there were a lot of dark moments in that first year and a half. I loved my job. I loved my coworkers, but I missed my family. And doing this dissertation just added a lot of stress. It was very, very heavy. And there were so many times where I just wanted to give up there were times when I just wanted to stop. Like I just wanted to stop everything and just like barely exist. And finally it was finished, you know, in November, 2019, we were done. Mm. And I was so looking forward to walking across the stage and getting my diploma and I'm getting emotional. (laughs) Um, but I was just looking forward to (laughs) to having this you know this big celebration to end you know this journey that I had been walking that was that was just so rough and then COVID happened Mm. and I didn't get my graduation you know I didn't get to walk across the stage and that I was grieving this thing (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that I didn't know meant so much to me until I couldn't have it anymore. Yeah. So fast forward to June, you know, at first I'll say like when COVID hit in, in January, uh, you know, it only hit us. It only hit our side. Yeah. And so the rest of the world is watching and they, they were watching us for the next two months to see what was going to happen. And so for a while, it was just, you know, me in my head trying to figure out how am I going to get to Virginia? Like, am mm-hmm. I, is it, is it going to be okay for me to get to Virginia? And then I'm thinking, you know, this is January, February. By May, it's going to be fine. 
we're gonna be okay. Right. We were not okay. <laughs> and I was so over when, in the face, like tripping, like, oh, are my friends all right? <laughs> we were not okay. We were yeah. not all right. <laughs> you know, and when the rest of the world caught up, then it was like, I'm definitely not gonna have a graduation now. Yeah. So in June of 2020, um, my sorority, I'm a part of Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated. Shout out to all the Zetas. We just celebrated just had a, two years. Yes, anniversary. Our Founders Day. Yes, yes, yes. So shout out to 102 years of being finer. Um, yeah, so my sorority decided to hold a virtual graduation. Uh, and so I think almost at the very last minute, I was able to submit my information. And so in June, towards the end of June, uh, they had the virtual graduation. And then all of my, my friends, my, my closest friends who I worked with, uh, they came over to my apartment. It was like 10 o'clock at night and we watched the graduation. They brought a little bottle of bubbly and you know, we popped it. And I just, I just wept because this was, a, this was a celebration of coming out of a very dark place. Yeah. And just, you know, seeing the fruits of my labor. And yeah, I, I still have not held my dissertation in my hand. You know, mm -hmm. I have not held my degree in my hand. I don't know when I will be able to, but to know that I was supported, to know that these people who two years prior did not know me, right. but here they are cheering me on. It was just this like magical moment. So that yeah. I think having knowing what it felt like to be very lonely here yeah. so far away from everybody that you know and you love yeah and then having that to show me I'm not as lonely as I thought I was that was my defining moment that's that's really powerful which which honestly leads me into the next question you know as as a black woman living abroad you know we are a communal people we are relational I think just to the core of who we are, right? So yeah. I'm curious, you know, how does the concept of community and chosen family, how has that impacted your life and your overall mental health and well-being? It's a it's a constant theme in my life. Um, so I, I think that I'm I've all, honestly always been in transition from one thing to another. Uh, so when I was younger at the age of, I was born in Freeport, Grand Bahama. At the age of 10, both of my parents got transferred to work in Nassau, New Providence, uh, which is another island that holds our capital city in the Bahamas. And I had to move. So I'm leaving all my friends behind, leaving them behind everything I know. This is before social media was a thing. And so, you know, that's it. I, I'm just not going to talk to these people again unless I visit uh, home. And... I was forced to, to make new friends. Uh, and so at my church, my church was very instrumental in that, um, joining different ministries and you know being a part of the youth ministry, the youth choir, making these new friends who became like sisters and brothers to me. And then moving back home at the age of 21, uh, back to Freeport where like I know people, but I don't really know people. You know, yeah. it's been like a decade. We all grew up differently. So are we gonna still be friends? Totally. Right. <laughs> theoretically yeah uh, so it's like you know <laughs> am I still gonna have friends you know 
and again, church. And then moving to Virginia uh, at the age of 21 later that year. Uh, through, through Hampton, through being in chapel, through being in the gospel choir, and then later joining uh, Ivy Baptist Church in Newport News, uh, Virginia. You know, that, that helped me to, to make and sustain those friendships. You know, there's people that I met there that I still talk to when I left Virginia in 2016. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, and of course now I have social media, so that, that makes it a lot easier. Uh, and so a part of all those transitions, like that's actually been the, the recurring theme of my life that that I have people around me that I build a support system. And so when I first got to Beijing, it was, you know, church is the, is that's the thread, right? <laughs> and so I get here to Beijing and I'm like, will I find my yeah. tribe? <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. And a coworker, uh, she told me about uh, a church here, uh, the Beijing International Christian Fellowship. And she said that the young adults had a, a gathering called the Embassy. And I connected with them and they eventually started Embassy Daytime. And that's where I found my tribe uh, or a part of my tribe. And since then, like I did that for a while. And then once COVID hit, you know, made things a little bit more difficult. And then I got a new job. I moved to going to what we call big church. So going to church on, on the Sunday um, or the Saturday of the Blizzard one time and sort of expanded my tribe. And so when you talk about like, how has this been for my mental health? It, it brings in that sense of familiarity. Yeah. And so even though this is a very new place, a very new situation, I still have little bits and pieces, little elements of my previous lives. Right. And so it doesn't, it's not as daunting anymore. You know, I, I don't feel uncomfortable trying to navigate because I know that there is at least one or two persons that I can count on and that I can call and just be like, I need a little bit of help. Uh, and so I'm so fortunate in that so many of the people that I've met, um, you know, they're like sisters and brothers to me. And I, like, I just celebrated my birthday um, a couple of weeks ago and seeing the outpouring of love from these people that, you know, I've been in China only three and a half years. And for some of these people, they've only known me for about a year or so. And seeing all of that love and hearing all of their words, like I was a bucket of tears the entire weekend. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, it's just been so uplifting. Uh, yeah. So even when I'm tempted to sort of withdraw into myself, uh, when I'm tempted to sort of cut myself off from everyone, I can't go more than, like if I missed church this Sunday, for whatever reason, if I was just like really exhausted and just could not leave for the day, next weekend, I'm going to be in church. Like I am not gonna miss more than two Sundays in a row of meeting with people, of seeing my tribe and getting that that love and that energy to keep me sustained for the next week yeah that's important to understand where not only where your help comes from but it allows you to show up as your best self when you're able to be in the midst of those who know you and accept you and yeah. who are able to heap you know the the gratitude and the love and the support onto you which helps us to be able to learn to accept it with more ease. 
right? Yes. So yes. I, I'm curious, like, you know, as women of the diaspora living in Beijing, coming from, you know, different cultures and things of that nature, even though, you know, we're Black women, there's lots of subcultures amongst our big umbrella, right? I'm wondering, I'm curious about how the culture that you were raised in, how it's influenced your thoughts and beliefs and attitudes about mental health. <laughs> um, yeah, so the Bahamas. I'll talk about the broader community and then, then bring it in. Okay. While I was growing up, I don't think mental health was as big of a deal as, as it should have been. Yeah. I don't think that it was focused enough on. Yeah. Uh, I think that you just had members of your family that, you know, you just referred to as a little like, mm, a little like, you know, she couple cards short of a full deck, you know, like, mm -hmm. you know, we don't talk about these. We don't talk about these. We don't talk about Bruno. No, no, no. Right. So that's, Bruno that's had the, the most energy. sense out of everybody. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello. Listen. So that's, that's the energy in the community. Um, yeah. And, you know, I'll, maybe we had a school counselor when I was in primary school, but I don't know who that was. Mm. Uh, in high school, again, maybe we had a school counselor. We had a guidance counselor, the person that you saw in 11th, 12th grade, right. when you talk about getting ready to go to college, we had a guidance counselor. Yeah. But did we have a school counselor? I don't, I don't think so. Again, if we did, I don't know who it was. Yeah. And so when I started teaching, even before I started like in the school, you know, for our, for our undergrad degree, you have to do a lot of like practices before you can, um, before you can graduate, um, before mm -hmm. you can do your final teaching practice, you do these little like mini practices. And just being in the classroom, like we took one special education class as teachers. And being in the classroom, looking at some of these kids and realizing that they don't, they don't quite have the ability to take whatever issues are going on at home drop them off at the school gate and come inside, you know, ready to work. Right. They bring everything with them. And so they're sitting down hungry or upset because somebody yelled at them the night before, um, annoyed because their hair isn't fixed the way that they want it to be fixed. You know? <laughs> um, just all these things that are going on in their little world, which for us might not seem like a big deal because we've lived life, but right. they're kids. Right. You know, they're seven, eight, nine, ten. This is their life. And seeing all of that and just seeing the way that we handled it um, as teachers, it's, it was just like a, we just sort of try to push through so that we can get the, that lesson taught because yeah. we're on deadlines. We have things to do. And it's a lot of pressure on us as teachers to make sure that you move from one level to the next. Right. And so it was just... 
it was just too much. I said, you know what? I want a school counseling degree because this is this is a lot going on. Yeah. And I was like, even if I don't use it as a counselor, even if I come back into the classroom, at least I have a little bit more knowledge about right. you know what's happening with these kids. Uh, and so that's what what led me to start my first expat journey uh, as a graduate student. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So that I think going off to school <laughs> made me realize just like how differently we viewed yeah. these things. Yeah. Um, going to Virginia and seeing this <laughs> presence of school counselors and experiencing for myself having two students who they were brothers. One was in, I think, fifth grade and the other one was in kindergarten and they lost their mother. Mm. And having to help them like navigate grief, <laughs> grief yeah. hits differently when you're in fifth grade. And, you know, especially for him, he was acting out and talking yeah. back and his teacher was just like, like, you, you need to come and get him because I don't, and it, it's, he just missed his mom. And yeah. the realization that she's not coming back is just slowly coming, coming to him and he can't do anything about it. And he shouldn't have to, cause he's in fifth grade, but it sucks that this thing is happening to him. And it's just like, how would we have dealt with that when I was in fifth grade? You know, it would have been all on the teacher uh, to try to soothe that student while trying to teach 20, 30 other kids. Um, and so, yeah, that was a seeing, seeing the difference really struck a, a chord with me. Uh, and then in 2000, in 2018, um, a lot of stuff happened in my life and took me to like a really like dark place. I was like, I need a therapist. Couldn't find one. Mm. Or let, let me one. ask you, could you... Is it that you couldn't <clears throat> find one or you couldn't find one that fit your needs, that looked like you, that made you comfortable? Could not find one. Home in wow. the Bahamas. <laughs> wow. I asked around. Uh, so at this point, I'm in Freeport, Grand Bahama. Okay. Asked around. Um, there was a therapist who visited once every two weeks. Um, yeah. But was based in Nassau. So I'm like, okay. Cool. Um, there was another therapist who I think I tried phoning her, did not work. I emailed her, did not hear anything back. By the time she emailed me back, this is the beginning of 2018. By the time she emailed me back, I was already in China. She's like, hey, do you still need? Nope, sure don't, thank you. Oh, wow, I'm so sorry. It, we, we pushed through, we moved because that's what we do. We adapt, yeah. right? Exactly. We keep it pushing. And yeah, that that is that is what it looked like in, in the community. Mm. Uh, now though, I will say like I have friends who are therapists who have gone off to school, who have come back home to the Bahamas, who have practices or who are working in the schools. And I think as more millennials are coming up and and getting positions of power then the conversations are being changed a bit and and the shift is happening where you know we recognize what being burnt out means 
you know, we, we recognize what, what having all of these different things going on in our head, what that means, and we need to get help. And it's not, it's not as bad as it was when I was growing up. So yeah. I'm grateful for that. Um, but I'm, I'm more grateful for the fact that like, while that was happening in the wider community, in my family, especially with my parents, they were always concerned about my mental health, mm-hmm. always. Uh, and it would it could be through simple questions, just how are you and being available and would just sit on my bed, just like, let's you talk. How yeah. are you doing? How are you feeling? And of course, you know, there were times as a teenager, I'm like, all right, this is, you're doing Leave a lot, <laughs> please, <Yeah>. okay? <laughs> um, but it, it, looking back, like not everybody had those moments with their parents um, and not, not everybody had that kind of support. So I'm right. super grateful for that um, because even like when I was looking for a therapist, you know, my mother was also trying to help me, trying to yeah. find somebody that I could talk to. Um, yeah. And, you know, her being the Black mother that she is, she's like, you can talk to me. You can talk. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but it's not, it's not like the same. Like I need to talk to somebody I don't know. So I can yeah. just like word vomit. <laughs> I don't yeah. need you to catch feelings if you realize, Ooh, you know, listen, something you happened five trained, years ago. <laughs> okay. If you have not been trained to not take personally how even okay. in your best moments, that still might have caused me harm. You got to. Listen, that's a whole nother conversation to have. I'm still having it with my mom and she had counsel too. And it's kind of like you said a lot about the barriers the systemic barriers, the structural barriers, the cultural barriers, the thing that keep us separate from the help that's widely available yeah, to us. I, I just, I keep, I keep thinking like, you know, I want to ask you, what do you think, what's something that you think it'll take to be able to shift the narrative and open up the availability, you know, in the Bahamas or wherever it is that you find yourself living? We have a, a saying that if you don't hear, you can feel. Mm. And it's really that if you just, you don't listen, if you don't listen to the cries of people, mm. then you're going you're gonna to be impacted negatively, yeah. adversely yeah. by the results. Uh, and I'm hoping that it won't come to that. But I think we're, like, I think we, we hit a turning point. And I think that mental health wellness is just, more important now than it was before. I think people are feeling that, uh, especially with, you know, like let's say for instance, with jobs, you know, baby boomers, they, job loyalty holds a lot of weight, Yeah. Uh, especially in the Bahamas. You have people who've been working a job for 20, 30 years. Mm. Uh, and they don't understand when somebody wants to quit after, one year or two years or a couple of months. But people who are younger are doing it for their mental health. Like right. you're not about to work me like a dog, have all of these expectations of me, don't give me any grace and then expect that I'm gonna sit here for another exactly. 20, 30 years. That's exactly. not what's about to happen. And so it's forcing workplaces to challenge the way that they've been thinking because yeah. either you're going to have a high employee um, turnover rate or you're going to figure out how to hold on to your employees without threatening them you know right. without making them feel like they have to stay 
You need to create an environment where they want to stay. Exactly. You know, they can take mental health days. Let them, let them take a day. Let them, why would you want somebody to come into work that's irritated, that's, that's tired, especially if you work in a customer service driven field, which is so many businesses uh, in the Bahamas. You want somebody who's cranky and irritated interacting with your customers? Because baby, if I'm cranky and irritated, you don't want me interacting with your customers. I'm going to forget. That's not self-awareness. <laughs> <Listen. laughs> okay. As professional uh, as I am, as right. yes, ma'am, yes, sir, as I am, I'm going to forget. Because if I'm doing that day in and day out, come on. Yeah. So I think I think that there there's there's a shift yeah. uh, that's happening. Um, you know, we can't just keep doing things the way that we've been doing them and expect that people are gonna hang around. Yeah. And there's that. There's a, a really big generational divide with that very attitude, the, you know, because we're more at this point, like you said, the, the transitions between careers, choosing careers, what we want, not dealing with burnout, not dealing with inappropriate bosses um, and those particular things, not staying in a place that's harmful, really understanding our worth and our value, um, being able to speak about, I'm anxious, I have depression, I've had thoughts of suicide. You know, I may have self-harmed at one point. I, mm-hmm. I, I try to have these conversations, you know, with older people and they're always interesting because when you think about it, I, I, and I tell them like, y'all have been through the very same things. It just didn't have a name for it or the name right. might've been there, but it was so rooted in it's, and it's still rooted in white supremacy and European standards. And then it's, you know, what they would tell me is we don't have time for that. We don't have time to sit and be anxious and depressed and wallow. And I'm like, but that's not what it is. Mm-hmm. So it's, I, I don't know. I know that there's so much like magic to be found in the intersection of old ways of being, old thoughts, traditions, and what's newly available. I, I just wonder what it looks like, you know, and uh, it it <laughs> I laugh because I think of an office setting where you have baby boomers and then you have the millennials working in one office in an open office. And you could have somebody that, you know, comes and says, Hey, I need to take a day. Like everything ain't, ain't quite right. I just I just need to take a day. These stark difference. <laughs> in responses what you need to take a day for what's wrong with you why you can't just come to work if you well enough to do x y z you well enough to come to work you ain't throwing and up dying and bleeding <laughs> and then on the other side it's like yeah you should you should get some rest you should say you know we can cover x y and z it's fine exactly a day not gonna kill us and i am praying that you know as a teacher to get my students to do something i use two things or i try to use two things more often than not uh, i model and i praise good behavior yeah and so when i want my students to take out a particular folder you know, i write on the board orange folders i say verbally everyone take your orange folders out if i have my orange folder i hold it up this is what i want and you have one student who does it, 
oh, thank you, student A. Oh, and the rest of them, oh, oh. So they take, oh, thank you, student B. Oh, thank you, student B. I have one who, if, I, if I'm scanning the room and I miss him, he'll say, ah am ah Listen, I'm gonna remind you that I'm here. <laughs> That's called self-advocacy. Listen. And well, that baby will advocate and he will not stop until I say thank you. Mm-hmm. And doing that, it, it requires a shift in thinking because it's so easy to say, CNF, why don't you have a Chivolta yet? What is, what is wrong with you? What's going on? Yeah. And then you gotta pull up out. Thank you, student E. Thank you, student G. Student FC is like, oh. Sometimes you might have to say, hey, student F, Look at your other classmates. What do they have that you don't? And he's like, oh, oh, oh. Cause he's not trying to be defiant. He right. just needed a little reminder to, to get here, to be here in the mm-hmm. game. Uh, and so I'm, you know, it works with adults too. It takes a little bit longer because especially with older adults, they've been used to behaving in a certain way and they've been allowed to behave in a certain way. Uh, and so it becomes disrespectful when you challenge those ways uh and so I think like you know for me I I try to praise the good behavior and just try to say out loud like that was a really nice decision because of x y and z like yeah it'll probably lead to blah 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 let's let's talk about the benefits of what that kind of decision you know would would bring what kind yeah. of benefits would would there be um and then maybe just maybe the Lord is going to work on the hearts and minds of the other people that are within Airshot. And, and maybe, just maybe, they're going to start to see that we can do things differently. So that's my, that's my hope. I hear. <laughs> that's my and so what I hear is you're sharing how you positively impact the communities that you currently reside in. What, what other things do you feel you do intentionally to make a positive impact in this world? Um, I'll circle back. I, I know I've talked about church a lot, but I'll, I'll circle back. Like that, yes, that, that's, a, like, that's a very a deep that's part of who I am. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I find that when I find a church home, then I feel a lot more centered. Uh, and especially after the pandemic hit and I changed jobs. And so now I'm working where I'm free on the, the actual weekends. Um, being able to join the larger church community and join these different ministries has been such a blessing. And for one, I sing on the worship team. Now, I'm like, I can carry a tune, but only for like a little bit. <laughs> You know, I'm not out here, Aretha Franklin, Jennifer Hudson, like that's not, that's not my life, right? But singing for Jesus, worshiping through song, that's something that's super important to me. And I've had people come up to me and just be like, you just blessed me so much today. Mm. Or if it's a Sunday that I didn't sing, somebody will walk up, you didn't sing this week. I was hoping that you would sing. Like, I miss hearing your voice. I'm like, are y'all sure? <laughs> like, you got the right one. <laughs> right. <laughs> just, is, it, is it somebody else that looks like me? <laughs> and it, it's, not, it's not me. It's definitely yeah. God using me. 
Yes. And so when I sing, they hear God and, and I get to pray for these people. And that's how I feel like I, I can impact my community through mm. those ways that, that hopefully praying for somebody, singing life over somebody that hopefully they're going to go out and they're going to make these positive decisions that right. will impact others. Uh, and so I think that that's, that's one way that I've been able to do that. And then another way has been through my podcast. Uh, so last year in February, I started the Brown Girl in Beijing podcast and it started as just, woohoo. it started right. as just, um, just a way to share, you know, my experiences in Beijing to a wider audience so that I didn't have to like retell the same story. Right. A number okay. of times to different people that I, and it came from a, a blog. So I had a blog my first year in Beijing and people were just like, yeah, if you could just do this in podcast form, that would be great. Cause I don't have time to, to just sit read. and listen. Um, and then, oh, sorry. Yeah. Sit and read. And then a, two friends of mine that are married, Rodney and Nadia, they have a podcast, the Iron Love podcast, and they had me on as a guest and talking about my life in Beijing. And people were just so interested. And then uh, another friend, Dawn, who is a content creator, uh, she's a branding expert for different companies. She had me do um, one of her takeovers for Black History Month last year. Mm. And that was just like, it was so well received, she was saying. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well then maybe I can do this. Maybe I could just get in the front of the camera and just talk to people. <laughs> and so that's what started it. Yeah. And since then, like I've had two seasons. I just wrapped the um, second season a couple of weeks ago. And I'll say in maybe, maybe about December, I, I was starting to feel like, you know, the views are a little low and, you know, the, the listens on, cause I, I do it through Anchor FM. So it gets released through Anchor to Apple, um, Google, Spotify. And then I also do it on YouTube. And it's just like, you know, the views for the first season were definitely better than the second season. And it's just like, should I continue? Like, do people want to hear? Uh, and legit the day after <laughs> I had these thoughts and I'm talking to God, like, you know, this takes a lot of work. Do I need to continue this or can I just give it up? The day after this guy had followed my um, Instagram page for the podcast, I didn't really think anything of it. And then he sent me a message. He's just like, hey man, like your podcast has been a blessing. Uh, just listening to it puts me at ease. I'm supposed to be coming to Shanghai in a couple of months. Mm. And it just makes me feel so much more comfortable about coming. Yeah. Uh, and then he talks about, you know, wanting to be able to find a faith-based community and not thinking that they existed. But right. after watching my podcast, it's like, they do exist. Like, you just got to know where to find them. Yeah. And when I tell you, I was ready to just say, oh, <laughs> like, I was like, I'm so happy. He does, man. He does. And that, that just, that just blessed me because you know and even even a, um maybe like a week or two ago my sister-in-law she sent me a message about the because I talked about this on my podcast and she listened to that episode and she was like man like I'm so grateful for that because sometimes I feel like giving up and that just inspired me to keep going like if you can keep going I can keep going this is my sister-in-law who's known me for all of my life right and so hearing that come from her I'm just like yeah. All right, I'll keep going. 
even yeah. if I don't have nothing to talk about, I'll get up there yeah. <laughs> and I'll just talk. We can find, we can find so. something. <laughs> right. <laughs> Something's going to happen. That kind of, that leads me into like the thought of resilience, right? And like, what would you tell somebody that's at a point where they feel like they don't know if it's, it's whatever, it, whatever their mission is, maybe they just really haven't tapped into it or fully rooted in it that's just at that you know the breaking point like I don't see I don't see the fruits of these seeds that I've been planting and watering like what's what's a um a piece of cogent advice that you could share with them I love that you you talked about seeds um, and watering and I'll I'll give two responses I guess the first if you are faith-based pray. Um, and it doesn't have to be some kind of elaborate prayer. Just <laughs> tell the Lord how you're feeling. You know, if you are, if you're struggling, um, you want to give up, just, just express those things, right? It makes you feel better to let it out, but it also, it also creates that space for you to receive something that he might be sending to you, sending right. your way. Um, and the, you talk about planting Sometimes we don't see the fruit in the way that we thought the fruit was going to come. We don't see the, the <laughs> like what what our idea of the manifestation of that that seed is. Like it comes in another, it can come in another way. I'm not supposed and to be cry open to that. Now, Shannon, okay, <laughs> girl. Listen, if I had to go through it, you got to go through it too. <laughs> but that that I think is the the biggest thing to not be boxed in by what what you think the fruit of your labor is supposed to look like, mm. right? You're expecting apples and you're seeing oranges and you think that it's not working. When in reality, maybe you were just an orange person and you didn't realize it, you know? And it's still fruit, it's still good. It just looks a little different. Yeah. Um, so I'd say definitely if you're faith-based, that's your starting point. Um, you know, I if I go into some other stuff, like that's, it's, we're not going to end this. So I'll, I'll leave that there. Um, but yeah, if you are not, <laughs> if you are not um, faith-based, uh, I think the latter still applies. Um, you need to, to identify what kind of results you're looking for. Mm. Um, and, and maybe start to work backwards, you know, like, why aren't you seeing those kind of results? And maybe in your methodology, you find that, oh, maybe this is supposed to bring me to somewhere else. Be right. open to the possibility that your success could look a little different from what it looks like right now. Yeah. Uh, and that also, you know, try to find, try to find some contentment in the journey. Um, and don't, don't just worry too much about what the destination, what you think the destination is supposed to be. Um, yeah. Cause your, your blessing, whether, you know, you believe or not, your blessing could very well be in the journey. You know, yeah. who are the people that you met along the way? What are the skills that you've picked up along the way? What are the attributes that you've picked up along the way? Because those are things that can help you when you get to where you need to be. Yeah. Appreciate them now. Don't just wait until, you know, hindsight is 2020. Appreciate them. Yeah, now. I fully agree. And you were literally talking about identifying best hopes. Um, what is the outcome? I want to start with identifying what's the outcome. Yeah you know, and then in education, you know, we do the whole backward planning. What are the things that I can do? What's the process looks like? What does my journey look like instead of the destination? What does the journey mm -hmm. look like that's going to help develop 
me into the individual that I'm supposed to be, whether I know who that is today or not, right. you'll be illuminated as you go through the process, always, always. Yeah, yeah. So I want to I ask you, you know, there's so much to do in this city. And one of the, one of the things that I love and dislike about being a, an, an, you know, an intellectual, strong, supportive, nurturing Black woman is the whole strong Black woman trope. Mm-hmm. So what does it look like for you to disabuse yourself of that trope? and engage in radical self-care? Like, what do you do? First, I'll say that it's still taking me some time to accept certain things from people Mm. um, because, you know, I've worked so hard to be independent, um, Mm. worked so hard to be independent of my parents. And, you know, living in China, especially with this new job, I've been able to do that. And so people uh, telling me that they want to do this, they want to do that for me. And I'm just like, I can do it myself. Thank you very much. Um, (laughs) That part I'm still working on. Uh, But a big thing of me sort of shedding the strong, independent Black woman, I allow myself to cry in front of other people and to be in that vulnerable space in front of other people. I just, I'm a lot more honest. You know, when people ask me how I'm doing and I, I can gauge, you know, if you want the real answer or what, and if they want the real answer, baby, I'm not well. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not okay. This has been a yeah. really rough week for me. These things have happened. I, you know, I wanted these things to happen. I'm just stressed. Yeah. And there are some people that will just stop and pray with me. There are some people that will comfort me. There are some people that will cry with me. And that helps me feel like I don't have to, like Louisa from Encanto, I don't have to be the strong one all the time, right? No, that was a blessed movie, okay? That was a blessed movie. Like, I don't even think they know it. I don't even think, like, and therapists everywhere are just like, all we talk about is Encanto. Let all the, people. All the themes, all the themes. Everything. Yeah, and that, just knowing that I don't have to be that strong um, has then led me to being able to take myself out to brunch, yeah. being able to get a massage. Just, they say, um, there's this like meme that says, you know that you're an adult when you realize that you will need a reason for birthday cake. And that's very enlightening because, <laughs> you know, when I'm like, hey, I can just order it. Exactly. When I want a massage, I don't need, it doesn't need to be like, oh, I've just been working real hard this month. If I wake up on a Tuesday and say, oh, I need a massage. Wednesday, I'm getting a massage. Like it's not, it's not even that deep. And so making sure that I have those moments of listening to my body um, and then feeling okay enough to to respond to my body's needs and not holding it back and trying to be strong for other people, but also allowing other people to be strong for me. Um, So yeah, I think that that's been my like radical version of self-care. Yeah, I think what I hear is a transformation and understanding one, one that I, I try to share and and live by is you don't have to earn your rest for so long. We've, we've, we felt, and I, you know, society rightfully, you know, is to blame, um, that we have to be at the point of exhaustion. We have to do for everybody else. You know, we have to put ourselves last. You have to show up. And I know imposter syndrome is really a really big thing for professional (laughs) Black women, literally everywhere in the world, and especially here 
And they know that would be another hour. That and we would probably have to have hour. this conversation another time, right? So I'm going yep. to write this down. <laughs> Come on the podcast. On Come one. on the Brown Girl in Beijing podcast. We'll talk about it. <laughs> okay, we're going to schedule that. We got season yes. three. Okay. Yes. <laughs> but it's just like the, the thing that I want to just say is do it when you feel like it. Like you said, you, you can eat birthday cake whenever you want to. You don't have yes, to ma'am. earn your rest. And for us to better understand that in order to show up in these spaces as our best, most authentic, happy, you know, jovial and communal selves, we have to prioritize our yes. health and our wellness, our mental health, yes. especially. And yes. learning that it's not a weakness. Vulnerability yep. is strength. And so we have two more questions. And one of them I, that I'm you know, curious about is, you know, what, what is your hope for the advancement of mental health in the Black community? Just for us to, to begin to see people as whole beings mm. and understanding that mental health wellness is a part of that. Um, and that if you are not well mentally, you're not well. Just like if you're not well physically, you're not well. You have a broken heart, you're not well emotionally, you're not well. And instead of trying to, I don't know, maybe single it out and try to make it seem like like this, this bad thing, just the same way that you give treatment for, you know, something that's broken um, on your body, uh, you know, an organ that's failing, the same way that you do that, the same way that you comfort somebody whose boyfriend of three years is just broken up with her or whose wife of 20 years has just left him for, for somebody else, the same way that you would give comfort is the same energy you need to have when somebody says, yo, I'm unwell, you can't see what's wrong. I can't fully describe what's wrong, but something is off. Yeah. Something is not quite right. Yeah just because it's unseen, just because you don't know what it is, doesn't mean that it doesn't exist, doesn't mean that it's not real, and doesn't mean that it's not affecting the whole person. You know, when I practiced um, counseling, I operated a little bit under uh, like Gestalt's theory, um, okay. and that's just of the whole person, right? Hope, and, hope. and seeing that there are so many moving parts, and you have to be willing to address those moving parts because you can't just fix one thing and figure, all right, we done. You good, go, right. You, you got to see that thing through. Yeah. Um, and so that's what, I, that's what I want for us as Black people, no matter where we are, yeah. um, to just be willing and open um, to embrace the things that you don't know mm. and be willing to learn about those things that you don't know. Don't remain ignorant. Right? Don't just don't just pass it off because it's something that you're not used to. Because that's yeah. what got us here. <laughs> and we want to move on. So you know, be willing to learn. Be willing to learn. I think that's valuable advice. Well, I would definitely say, you know, before we hit the rapid fire question round, you know, do you have any final parting word? Now you know I had you know I had to do it, right? <laughs> do, you, do you have any final parting words for the community of people that will be tuning into this episode? Uh, as a Black expat, do the thing. Mm. Um, that's my, I think that's just always going to be my advice. Research, 
But if there's a dream that you have, there's a leap that you want to take, do the thing, whatever it is, you know, look it up, make informed decisions. Um, but don't, don't let, you know, like people's opinions hold you back. Like as that, for me growing up, I did a lot of living for other people. I made decisions that would benefit other people, make them, make them proud of me, you know, make them feel good about what I was doing. And then I had to take it back because that was just, it was messing with me. Yeah. Um, and so e being in Beijing, while there's still a little bit of that, there's a lot more of doing things that I believe are right for me based on like my relationship with God, based on who I believe that I am. Uh, I'm making more decisions that, that benefit me. They also benefit the people that are connected to me because of the nature of our relationships. Right. But those decisions aren't based on the people connected to me. Um, yeah. So I think that that's been a very important shift. And so if you are out there, you're listening, do the thing, do the thing for you. Yes. And I, I think that those words stand by themselves. I just want to add that you're not selfish for doing those things for yourself. You are not the black sheep for doing those things for yourself. You are not arrogant or any of the messages that you may have received, right? Because mm -hmm. again, you cannot do well for everybody else if you are depleted. Yep. You're too busy pouring oh. out of your cup. Yes. So we're going to do the rapid fire and then we're going to end with you sharing your socials. You ready? Okay. I'm not sure, but let's go. <laughs> What's one word to describe yourself? Um, I don't know. Intelligent. Okay. <laughs> What's your favorite country to visit? I don't know. Um, this is stressful. Uh, maybe somewhere in the Caribbean. Um, okay. One of the Caribbean countries. I'm not. I'm not going to single anybody out. I don't want nobody to feel bad. Nobody <laughs> be mad. <laughs> Bright or ginger ale? Ginger ale. What brand? Okay, so because <laughs> you know it matters. It matters. All right, listen. Okay, I'm going to talk about being here in China. Schweppes, their brand of ginger ale is a little bit sweeter. Okay. So I can take that, you know, on some days, but is it, um, Canada dry. I was just, do we have Canada dry hair? Cause that, that must, that's on a day. If, if we don't, whatever the equivalent is that we have, that's on a day when it's like, you need a drink <laughs> and you, you're not trying to have no alcohol. <laughs> exactly. But I need something. That's it. <laughs> and that one. Okay. So favorite musical group. Girl, <laughs> Maverick City Music. I'm never. You're gonna have to hit me <gasps> to that. Oh, I love them so much. They're a gospel group. Yes, they're okay. a gospel choir group. Yes. Okay, you're gonna have to hit me to that. Favorite yeah. artist? I don't know. This is hard because I don't. I don't choose. Like I'm not very good at making absolute decisions. <laughs> so. Okay. So questions like this are always hard. Um, I don't know. Let's go with Travis Green. Okay. Um, 
the gospel we already, talked, we already talked about like what do you do for self-care but if you had to think of one thing that you could do literally every week what would it be get a massage hands down I, right. I need that information too okay <laughs> yes, yes i got you i got you all right one thing you love about yourself i love my smile um i, I love when I when I smile like this, definitely you you know that I'm genuinely genuinely content, genuinely happy. What's something that you miss about home? Family. Just mm. we had a new baby born uh, past couple months, and I don't know when I'm gonna get to see her. And it's just that it's heartbreaking. But yeah. you know, my family is is growing and they're moving on without me. <laughs> um, well, yeah, you're family. just in a different place. Because you I know, but back <laughs> but but I know how difficult it is. Like my sister's about to have her my my third niece Trinity, um, and it can be challenging. Um, two more favorite okay. inspirational quote, affirmation, or scripture. Oh, Romans eight and twenty eight. Um, we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are the called according to His will and purpose. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. it's on my wall with my list of uh, post-it notes for sure. Come on, yes. <laughs> And lastly, what do you love most about your culture? The uh, love. Just, just the love. Whether you've known somebody for 10 years or 10 minutes, you can feel, you can feel the love. You know, I being able to, especially being here in Beijing, I've been able to connect with Black people from the Caribbean, Black people from America, Black people from the continent of Africa, and just the love, man. You just feel at home. You just yeah. feel at home. Yeah, it's this this thing, this thing we got. Yeah, yeah. like like I see you. You see me. We exactly where where yeah. you we see all this other craziness going on, but we're <laughs> and not like. Okay. <laughs> well, I am so grateful for this. Um, you've blessed our audience, myself included tonight. So I'm I want you man. to share your social media. How can people get in touch with Dr. E? All right. Uh, follow me on Instagram, Dr. Baby underscore B-G-I-B. So D-R-B-A-B-Y underscore B-G-I-B. Um, and that you can stay up to date with podcast stuff. You can stay up to date with things that I see in Beijing, you know, um, just that, those personal things. Um, yeah, that's the best way. And from there, you can hit the link in my bio to see how you can keep up with the podcast. Okay, cool. We'll definitely share that information in our show notes on the YouTube page. I just want to thank you again for coming and sharing and being so open and honest. It was, it was truly a gift. I'm glad, man. I'm happy to be here. Happy to be here. Appreciate awesome. you. Well, you have an amazing evening. And mm -hmm. everyone, we want to sign off and say thank you and stay tuned for the next session of Black and Abroad. Peace, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>